So for this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, champion conditional jockey, John Joe O'Neill Jr. Thanks for coming on, John Joe. Really appreciate uh, giving up your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Chris. No, it's no problem. So obviously, we just have to look at your name and we're all going to know that you come from a great racing family. Your dad was a, a champion jockey. He's been a top trainer in his own right. Would you say that it was always destiny to get involved in racing or have you always thought... Oh, there's been a part of you that thought maybe maybe working in racing isn't for me, or did you just want to do it from an early age? Um, I mean, I'm one of five, and and my my three older siblings aren't into racing at all. Um, so I don't I don't think necessarily kind of uh, I, I was destined to do it, and only my younger brother has only just started getting back into to riding and and racing now. He took a few years out, so I was kind of the only one that was kind of really into it. But at the same time. There was never really. I was. I. I was very keen on rugby at school, but there was never really a time where I didn't enjoy racing and I didn't think I wanted to do it as a as a profession. So I. Yeah. I. I, I was sure I was going to do it from an early age. And and grow, growing up, would you say having having the likes of A. P. McCoy, obviously very closely associated with your dad, was the perfect role model to inspire you to become a jockey? Yeah, definitely. You know, if you got. Um, you know the, the the champion of the sport, riding for riding for people that are very um, associated, very closely associated with you. It's obviously going to imprint um, on you, even without you knowing it. Um, and definitely looking back, AP was someone who I looked up to and um, tried to take what I, what I could out of him because um, you know obviously he was at the top of the game. And um, when when did you get your first ride? And do you remember when it was? Um, I it was the day after the Lincoln. Um, at Doncaster in March 2015 on a horse called Gold Medal for for Mum uh, in a flat race it was. And, and so I had amateur license to start with, and I rode a bit on a flat and over jumps for, for the first two years just to get some experience. And and was it always jumps you say that you kind of wanted to go down, or did you ever have the option to stick at the flat? No, I never really had the option. I, I was always too heavy like when I was 16 17 I was about 12 stone 12 12 and a bit playing rugby at school um so actually being a jump jockey was quite in doubt for quite a long time um mm. but the, the the flat weights as an amateur are a bit heavier so I, I was able to ride in some races um and I had a few wins I had a winner for uh Richard Hughes um uh, and Brian Ellison and a few people on the flat um so I had a, I had a good few rides um, over the over the summer of 2015 and 16. Um, then, as I as I was getting heavier, I knew flat racing was definitely out of the question. And then, um, jump racing was kind of where I was always going to go into. Uh, kind of what I've been brought up in. Yeah, and and moving forward as your career's kind of taken off, am I am I right in thinking you've had a couple of injuries along the way that kind of maybe stalled your progress? Because it's only in probably the last couple of years I would say that your career's really got going if that makes sense yeah no yeah it's, um it, it seems a long time ago and i um five years since i had my last ride it doesn't seem that long but five years is is is, is, is a bit of time um I, I i've had some a few bad injuries to be fair I, I broke my leg um uh hunting in ireland um and i had to have that pinned and screwed and then i had my a levels at the same time so i kind of stopped racing for i think it was the 20 from 2016 um 
through 2015 through to 2016 that season I, I had to concentrate on A-levels and then I went out to beginning the cares in France um, and I shattered my wrist and all the ligaments in my wrist so I was out for five months there um, and then I broke my back um, after that uh, not from a fall from a from an injury at home and it took eight months to get that to get that sorted out uh and i did my jaw uh and i've done my collarbone a few times so i've, I've had i it has kind of stunted my progress but at the same time i don't think it was a bad thing because i was able to take stock after each injury and kind of in, in, improve elsewhere and learn different aspects of the, the job i went to the sales quite a lot um with dad and learned that kind of side and then trying to and learn more of the training side of things as well um so which is probably an opportunity i wouldn't have got if if i kind of had a, a if i was clean sailing all the way through um so it probably wasn't a bad thing i was lucky i got to experience the other side of things as well and you there was never no doubt no when you had those injuries about maybe going down a different career path obviously you said that you, you were able to learn other parts of the industry but there was there was still like the urge to wanting to come back to be a jockey Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I. It, it never, it never fades me whatsoever. I, I know it's completely part of the job, and um, you know, if you get it, it's just, it's just bad luck. But you know, bones heal. Um, so you'll always come back. So one thing I've noticed, um, that especially jockeys that are coming through the ranks, is how crucial sponsorship is to them. I see that you are currently sponsored with hospitality finder what why is it so important for jockeys to get sponsorship and what benefits do you get from it uh it's it's very important you know at at this stage of our career obviously um we haven't been in the game for especially conditionals um haven't been in the game for very very long um we have to go for rides anywhere and and everywhere to, to kind of increase your um popularity and 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 your success um, so we, we do a lot, a lot of driving um, and, and a lot of time on the road as well as probably having a, a job um, near enough full-time at, at a racing yard. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it, every sponsor varies um, in financial support or whatever, but I'm very lucky that I have a hospitality finder and um, they have um, they have a thing at Cheltenham Racecourse and... Uh, entry as well and they're also in f1 and cricket and rugby um they have they, they do things at um the grand prix in monaco and uh, they do stuff all around the world it's, it's really amazing they have this thing called the green room um which is a, a huge suite up at um cheltenham that overlooks the um parade ring and um they have well me and ap um our ambassadors there and, and we talk through the card every day for the festival and an entry um and then go in after racing and, and sit back to people and people can buy um people can buy uh tickets and tables to be there and and, and there's loads of sporting celebrities that are also in the in the room like Lawrence Delalio, Mike Tyndall, the whole cricket team were there one day um there, there's loads I, I I could I could go on there's loads of people so it's just a great experience to enjoy racing Mark uh, Durden Smith um, is kind of the host and he's absolutely hilarious so it's a really enjoyable day um, and I'm very thankful that they sponsor me. Uh, Sounds like you've got a really interesting uh, sponsor there and definitely sounds like you link up with them very well. I would say as we were talking earlier that in the last couple of years your career's kind of started to really get going. Would you say that 
uh, not the season just gone where, where you've become obviously a champion conditional jockey, but the season where you won the Lanzarote with Big Time Dancer, and also as well you got your first Cheltenham Festival win with Early Doors in the Martin Pipe. Would you say that season was really the the break the breakthrough season that you wanted for yourself? I think so. Yeah, um, I it, it was definitely from. From the big time dancer when he won the Lanzarote Kempton, that kind of was the first one that put me on the map a little bit. Um, I, I was having a few winners, um, but I was not. Um, I, I'd only started back in the, the so that was January. I'd only started back in November before that from my from my back being off for eight months. So I, I was kind of I, I had ridden a few winners, but without um, getting properly noticed, and that was kind of from from there. And then I had. Um, Obviously, um, early doors, and then um, I had uh, musical slave at Punches Town, and it just kind of it kind of it kind of snowballed from there. And I was lucky that you know you, you do need the big winners to get yourself noticed. So I was lucky that a few came in um, a short short time. And kind of did those big wins motivate you this year to become um, the champion conditional? Because it was quite a, you had quite a few competitors, didn't you? The likes of Ben Jones, who was riding well, Rex Dingle. Was that your target at the start of the year to go for the championship? Yeah, because uh, last season only started in November um, and I had 30 winners by the end of the season. So I would have been happy with that at the time if i had the whole season so I, I i was very pleased with that and i thought if i could get if i could get to 20 20 more winners that i, I missed out from may to november if i got to 50 i thought that would put me in a good position to be champion conditional it's definitely what i set myself out to do this year um and then well i i missed i missed i got a band i got banned for a month um in may and june this season and then I broke I broke my jaw um mm. in August I was out for another month and then I got I took the wrong course at Weatherby in October and I was out for two weeks and then I some stipulation with the rules of being conditional I was nearly riding too many winners before my license renewed so I had to stop riding for another two weeks so I missed three months of the season before November so I thought maybe I, I'd, I'd have a really battle on my hands but um it really started to pick up, especially from Christmas onwards when Colin started to really get behind me. Um, so I was very happy, even though we missed another month at the end of the season, I was very happy to get to 61. And you, you mentioned Colin there. Obviously, you, you've ridden a lot for your dad, but I suppose moving forward and trying to progress as a jockey, you need to probably ride out for a few more stables. How did that relationship with Colin come about uh, if I remember right didn't you finish second on Mr Malarkey um in the big handicap at Aintree uh, uh yeah last... that was my first ride for him yeah yeah last year and, and was that the good performance that you did on him did did that kind of get you in touch with Colin and go and riding out there more how, how did it how did it develop um no so it was I had had a winner I think it was 2017 Aintree Punchestown Festival I'd had a winner um for JP and Neil Mulholland in a bumper um, called Dead Right. And mm -hmm. I was going, the next day I was going to the airport uh, uh, we, and, I, and I hitched a ride with Colin and um, Pauline, um, his wife. And they had had a good, um, I can't remember what horses won for them, but they had had two or three winners at the Punchetown Festival, Pots Horses. Um, so they, had, they, they were obviously in flying form and I, I, I'd never met, I'd never met them before um but we got chatting in the i was only an amateur at the time 
and he said, you know, next season, um, coming right out, coming right out sometime. Um, and I, I because I never actually managed to get round that time because I broke my back that next season. I wouldn't actually, I only rode for three months of the season, so I never actually got round to to going there. Um, but the following season, um, so last year, I think it was two weeks before Cheltenham, maybe, I just decided that after, after Big Time Dancer that I, I needed to be going to, to different places and, and I was trying to work out where which was a good place where there was an opening, um, maybe for a, a, a conditional or, or, or a fellow, I, feel like, I think I still claimed five at the time, that, that, that there was a good opening. Um, so I, I just rang him up and, and asked him and he said, come and come and ride out tomorrow. Um, it was Monday morning, we were we worked all the horses at um, Wing Canton for Cheltenham. Um, so they were, that was the first time I went there and then I went into his place and rode out after that. And then I just kept going in um, every week from then on and uh, they, gave, they gave me their first ride was Mr. Malarkey at Aintree and then I think two weeks after that, they, they put me on about four horses at Bangor. Um, and I had a treble that day, and it kind of that's kind of how it started, really. Oh, that's really good that you've been able to build up a good relationship with him, and that's been seen to good effect this year. You were able to take the opportunity of when Dickie Johnson got injured. What was it like riding Native River? Obviously, he's a popular horse, Cheltenham Gold Cup winner, Welsh National winner. Could you could you really tell a difference compared to other horses that you've ridden before, and just how special a horse he is? Yeah, definitely. Um, like he obviously Dickie rode him at Aintree with the blinkers on, and even though that turned out to be like a no a no race, he 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 won very well and looked like he had loads of enthusiasm. And he had the blinkers on again at Newbury, and I, I just spoke to Dickie, and he said very straightforward, and obviously he only does enough, um, but he he still has plenty 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 left in the tank, and that he just spends. Just that little bit extra time in the air and, and just float. Everything's just a little bit easier for him. Um, and you know, I, I could definitely tell. You know, he was a grade a grade above everything else I, I had ridden before. They they just them just them top top quality horses just just have a little bit extra. No, he's a he's a great horse, and it's such a shame as well that he couldn't take his chance um, in the Grand National. I think he would have definitely. Uh, done quite well around there especially with the performance you gave him moving forward for your career obviously you want to ride more horses of like a profile like native river um where where would you like to go in your career would you like to be a champion jockey or for example maybe if barry Geraghty steps down in the future um and retires would you like to maybe become number one rider for jp mcmanus would you rather maybe go down riding for a big owner or would you like to become a champion jockey what kind of thing would you like to achieve in your career um, I mean, uh, you know, you, you would you would bite anyone's hand off for for either either of them, but um, I've still a long way to go for, for either of that either that any of that kind of stuff. Really, I I really want to um, cement my I I just made it into the top ten this year. I really want to cement myself into the top ten and maybe in a bit deeper than that. And um, obviously, you know, I, I, everyone wants to be a, a champion jockey, but that is um. That is, a, that is a really big goal of mine um, to try and become champion jockey someday. Um, that's tr- trying to what I what I'd be trying to to work towards, and you need the horses and the support to do it. So um, hopefully we can just keep keep getting connections and keep riding winners. You know, it's 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 a results um, based industry at the end of the day. You know, winners winners are everything. 
Yeah, exactly. And obviously we're in um, lockdown at the moment with the coronavirus going on and the jumps uh, season isn't going to at least happen until July. Have you got any horses next season that you're particularly looking forward to that you know you hopefully you'll get the chance to ride? Um, Dad's got a lovely um, horse called Soaring Glory that won his first two bumpers, uh, one at Warwick and one at Ascot, and then he came second to one of David Pipe's Israel Champ at Ascot in a listed race in December. And that was in heavy ground, and which really, really wouldn't really suit our fella. Um, he was going to go to Aintree for the Aintree bumper, and obviously it, it got cancelled. So he's out in the field now, and he's um, he was always an next year horse, but he, he's just got a, such a class about him. Um, so hopefully... Now next year, I'll be really looking forward to him going over, over, over hurdles. No, he's definitely one we'll be um, keeping on side with, and also as well, we'll be looking forward to seeing you and how your career progresses for the future. But that's all we've got time for uh, in this podcast. Really appreciate it, John Joan, giving up your time and coming on. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, you can have a successful season next year, and we'll be in touch again soon. Thanks very much, Chris. Stay no, safe. No problem. For more podcasts, please subscribe to our SoundCloud page. You can also follow us on Twitter using our handle at In The Saddle Pod. And we're now available on Facebook and Instagram.